Hey travelers, it's Sparks Valentine here with Erica Nerdy Yogi and, and Foxfires. And welcome to Dice and Dish, the tabletop RPG roundtable discussion podcast, where the three of us are going along on travels, talking about three different topics every episode, and meet some interesting adventures along the way that we bring into our silly discussions. So we really hope that you enjoy the episode and that you continue along the travel with us. So I guess we'll see you along the road. Hello, travelers. Uh, Sparks here on the new episode of Dice and Dish. We have Erica Nerdy Yogi. Hello. Foxfire. Hello. And we have two very special guests uh, on today's episode. They are Evelyn and Heather from the Magic Academy. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're super excited to have you guys on. Uh, if you kind of want to just give an explanation of who you are, so that way in the beginning people know who they're going to be hearing. Um, well, we are from Magic Academy, which is a uh, all-queer TTRPG uh, table that specializes in the beauty and magic of queer storytelling. Um, so if you want to check us out, twitch.tv slash magic academy. Uh, magic underscore academy. Magic underscore academy. Magic underscore academy. That's right. Um, uh, my name is Evelyn. I do all the art for Magic Academy, and uh, I am also part of uh, all of our campaigns. True. Um, and me being Heather, I'm the newest one. Um, I'm actually uh, lead of social media slash merch um, for Magic Academy, um, and I play in the main cast and create silly, goofy characters for some of the other side games that we play so yeah that's what we do here yay i'm so excited for this episode um so yeah uh erica if you want to go ahead and roll the dice we can hop on in to our topics okay it is fox first all right so my topic is um orientation in your ttrpgs so we've talked about relationships between characters and NPCs on the podcast before. Um, it hasn't aired yet, but as as the timing of this recording. But I was also curious, when you guys play characters, do you always play your preference? Or do you kind of change it depending on the character themselves? I know some people do one, some people do the other. I myself am bisexual and my characters flip-flop. Sometimes they'll be straight, sometimes they'll be gay, and everything in between. Um, so I was just curious what everybody else's take on it is. Sure. Um, for me personally, all of my characters are uh, bi slash pan. Um, just because, like, I like to have I like to have my all of my options open. <laughs> Um, cause I'm, I'm bi as well. So like, I don't, for, for me, it's very much like I enjoy the lack of, I, I enjoy not having like 
not putting a limit around myself. I have recently thought about making some of my characters more of like a, a mo- more of like the the I think it's like monosexual orientation versus like a uh, uh, polysexual. Um, uh, which is just getting into the niche queer terms, <laughs> niche queer terminology. <laughs> um, but yeah, personally, I like I just like to make all of my characters bisexual because that's what I am, and so it's just easy for me. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, I mean, as a bisexual, gender fluid, um, human, um, with my characters. I think it depends on who I'm playing. I typically tend to think of like themes for my characters. And so that does, that does play a part in who I'm creating. Um, but for the most part, I play what I know. And if that means I'm romancing the women's, I'm romancing the women's, I'm romancing the men's, I'm romancing the they's and the them's, and it's going to be an all good time. I'll romance the monsters because that's who I am as well. That's a whole mood as well. That is a mood. Very much a mood. <laughs> I roll to seduce the dragon. Always. <laughs> if you Everything. Everything. Always. <laughs> you always have to try at least once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Erica, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am straight. So I usually like to think about who my character is. And then I just choose from there. Um, sometimes I'll even make it like a dice roll and I'll put it as like part of my character creation and just make it random and I just go with it. So, um, I don't really like to do a lot of romance at the table just because, uh, I am kind of selective who I'm comfortable role playing that with. Um, I don't really like doing that at like tables that I don't know the people very well. And a lot of times I'm the DM, so I'm more reacting to the the players trying to romance my NPCs than I am romancing other, like, on the other side, I guess you'd say, as a player. Um, I, as a um, homosexual man, it's a full gay man, golden stars, they would say. Um, I honestly, so all of my characters are female, Every character that I play in a tabletop game is always going to be female. I think except for maybe like once or twice in like our home games, I've played like a non-binary male that had like, that was very feminine. But um, I think when I'm at cons, I usually don't do that just because it's a little bit easier for them. It's a four hour game. And I don't want them to have to worry about it. But in terms of like orientation, it's kind of just depends. I'm like, you know, how does my character feel about this person? You know, are they going to like, like how, how are they feeling? I had one game I played a bard. I mean, you know, the stereotypical bard wants everybody, wants everything within two sessions was in a pirate's cabin room two sessions later was with a weapon maker who was a female (laughs) like it was just one of those like she's playing the field and then she ended up becoming a matron (laughs) like a a courtesan group or something that were like assassins it was really interesting i know yeah (laughs) it was a wild game there was so many things that ended up happening like she became a god at the end of it and it was just like wild but 
<laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I wanted my characters to become a god so bad. I I was in a game once and I I tried so hard. I was like I was like I all I want for the end of this campaign is for my character to be a god and the DM said no and then I was like, "Okay, what if I become a lich?" <laughs> and then I didn't have the right level because you have to be like a level 17 wizard to be a, to become a, a lich and so I wasn't on the right track. Um, cause I was all bard and sorcerer and then I was like, well, I'm just going to become a monk then and just punch things a bunch and just, <laughs> he's just going to go be sad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I was going to say on the flip side of the whole bard thing, you know how everyone's always like, yeah, we're going to play stereotypical bard. Like I'm going to romance everything. Um, one of my current bard characters is t technically straight edge. Oh, she's straight edge. <laughs> the best um yeah doesn't doesn't drink um doesn't do drugs is pretty much you know not really playing the field but then again i mean strahd's a whole different story so we'll see what happens there but she is very much straight edge she's not romancing anybody till she meets daddy strahd and then him and she doesn't know how to talk exactly <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> you know we'll see what happens um i am i am the lucky dm who gets to have that bard and uh i'm i i love it i love emery yeah now i do feel though that it is very much i feel like a lot of people do bring in their orientations though from their actual lives into the game i mean we have a couple of people at our table i mean they're they're straight males and all their characters are played that way like they don't it's not like anything else um talking about your bard where he's very straight edge one of our our dm at the moment that's how his bard was he wasn't sleeping around he wasn't doing anything he they it was a character relationship pcs their characters got in a relationship together ended up having like a cthulhu baby and started a call it was wild they <laughs> that, got married they got married <laughs> yeah regardless like, yeah and that that was erica's game that was all erica she brought in like things from different systems and was like we bought this like 5e cthulhu compatible book and it had like things you could bring in uh and just lots of things were brought in. That game was super fun. A lot of like really funny things happened in that game. Um, talking about your lich, Foxfire was going to become a lich. No, you're wrong about that. My patron was a lich. I just wanted to live forever. And how did you think you were going to live forever? <laughs> become a lich. I mean, she, didn't, she didn't know what becoming a lich took. She was a very, very good person, surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for somebody I can't who see was going the lich if you with a traditional route, you can be good and be a lich. You can be what is called an arch lich. Um, yeah. So that is basically the like, uh, I think it's technically like the lawful good version of the lich, where um, like I think the chance of like going mad when you like go through the process is slightly higher because you're trying to make, retain goodness when you become the lich. I did a whole bunch of research into this because my DM was like, um, you know you have to be evil to be a lich, right? And I was like, oh yeah? Bet. Well, I know you, you don't sure have to that? be evil just because that character was actually based on a god from lore, the, I want to say it's called the Phoenix King, 
that was a good lich. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she was based on, and ironically, she became a god by the end of the game. She did. She one did. Of, You're welcome. One of these days, <laughs> of these days I'm going to have a character who just becomes unto a god. That game was wild. It was two years of a lot of fun. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for that topic, unless anybody else has anything to say on your sexual orientation of your in-game character. I guess not. Erica's rolling the dice either way, so... <laughs> I, I was just rolling it that way. If done. no one had anything to say, then it would be We're doing pr- wedding possessions. <laughs> I was just preparing. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Zagris gave you the look of shame. Listen, sometimes you have to pre. Sometimes you got a lot of players at the table, and you have to pre-roll that damage. Sometimes you gotta you use Zagris to move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's actually Evelyn. It is your turn. Oh, that's perfect. That is actually perfect. <laughs> it really is. Okay, so we lost Erica. Uh, her computer decided it wanted to burst away. So, Evelyn, you can continue with your topic. <laughs> All right. My Alrighty, topic so we'll is... start from the beginning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My topic is D&D as gender exploration. Um, so in uh, especially queer spaces with TTRPGs, we talk a lot about how they can be uh, therapeutic, though... Again, not a replacement for professional help. I always feel like that's important to say. Um, But it can be very cathartic to play um, something beyond yourself. So, like, I am uh, trans, masculine, non-binary, they, them, all all the fun gender jazz. Um, And I often have a lot of trouble finding, like, ways in my regular day-to-day that, like, I can really, like, dig into that and express that. So that's one of the reasons I really love D&D is because I can make, uh, I almost exclusively play male and masculine characters um, because of that and because it's kind of this, like, thing where I can come to the D&D table and I can, like, express that part of myself. Um, like, I also really enjoy being able to play characters that are transmasculine as well. Um, a handful of the characters I play are transmasculine, and I usually don't talk about it publicly much because, like, sometimes I like to keep a little thing that's just for me. Um, like, I don't think I've ever publicly talked about, um, my favorite character that I ever played, which was from, uh, our, uh, season zero, our pilot season of Magic Academy, um, Peter, he's this blue tiefling, he's a monk, he's great, um, his mother is the demon lord Alruns, who is this, like, um, amazing, like, feminine force of, like, justice and she's really cool she's one of the demon lords who's like not evil um and she puts shitty men into her mandrake garden as fertilizer um but that character is uh i it is trans and i don't talk about him being trans because it's i don't think it's something that is like i don't want that to be like central to his character and so like knowing so like for me knowing that that was part of this character but not, like, digging into it in the story, not having it be the focus, was very, um, 
meaningful, uh, I guess is the word. I'm trying to come up with a synonym for catharsis so I don't say cathartic a million times. Um, but like for it also like I've seen so many stories of like people who will play a character of a different gender and will then realize like hey i'm not as cisgender as i thought and also sometimes it's just kind of fun to play something that is not you, you know? oh 100 <laughs> percent. yeah 100 percent. yeah I yes have, i have a lot of thoughts about D and gender expression and how those go hand in hand because um i think we said this before we started rolling like D feels so like inherently queer like even when it's played even even because of like the way that it opens up that space beyond our reality it opens up a space that you can you can play in beyond just like i'm an elf and i have a sword like it's 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 more than that it's i am uh lucy and i am a drow I have this dark master that I serve because I'm a warlock. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just cool. One, I love the energy. It is amazing. I am all about it. The amount of energy that I have about tabletop RPGs is about the same. So, uh, I definitely feel like, like D and D, even like. I don't want to say all tabletop RPGs because I feel like some of them are like, you know, you have DCC, you have kind of your OSRs that I feel like are not like, they're not very roleplay heavy. They're more of like, you're going into a dungeon, you go through, like that's what it's made for. But like D&D, Pathfinder, other TTRPGs definitely gives you the gender exploration at like 100%. I have always, just from, like, my life, I've always been very, like, feminine and, it, like, in every way. Like, the way that I walk, the way, like, I, like, move my hands, the way that I, like, sit down, the way that, like, I, like, conduct myself is very feminine. It's also, like, how I was raised. I was raised by a single mother. So you get all of those mannerisms and everything from the people around you. So like growing up that way, that's how it was playing role playing games on like in video games. You get to create your own character. They were always female. It never mattered. I was like, I want to have this banging body with this like cute ass, like leather armor or metal armor, whatever it's going to be. It was dress up. That's what it was. I was like, what can I dress up in and be looking good and being like a badass? That is a whole mood. I'm way, but with like, I, I was always the exact same way, but with male characters. With male characters, yeah. Like, and even the times like I did play male characters in games or anything, they always looked hot as hell. And they were always probably half naked. The few times that I've played male characters oh in God. video games, <laughs> always That's in Baldur's surprising. Gate, 
you can ask Fox. Baldur's Gate, the first thing that comes off of every NPC is their clothes and it leaves their underwear. That's it. And then you move Lazelle's underwear to um, to Gale and it looks amazing. Or Asterian. Oh. <laughs> I haven't put it on Gale. I currently oh, yeah. put it on Asterian. <laughs> As everybody else. <laughs> The first no, I'm where he's in where where y'all are where you're in the undies. I had forgotten that I had put Lazelle's underwear on him, and I was like, "Oh, oh, it's okay. It's okay." My first playthrough of Baldur's Gate, which I'm still on, I'm still in Act One, forty hours into it. I messed up. I was working Gale. I wanted Gale as my love interest, but I'm so good. I'm so good at romancing everybody that I had everybody ready and I messed up and chose, I'm not mad about it. I chose Asterian. Like, am I mad about it? No. But am I a little mad about it? Yes. Because then I went to Gail and he was like, oh, why see that you're going to be with Asterian tonight? So I'll leave you. I'll let you be. And I'm like, no, no, no. Let me cancel. Let me cancel. Like I canceled on Shadowheart for Asterian. Like, I tell him no. Exactly. The first time I played through the game, I got about 10 hours in. I got to a, I, I got to a certain point and I was like putting all the moves on Astarian and then he goes, I have standards. <laughs> and I was like, no. That's instant restart. Instant that. restart. <laughs> Eight full hours just to re-romance Astarian. Oh, instant oh, restart. Yes. Threw it all away for Gale. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Gale and that Gale like Oh, yeah. As long as you're kind of, like, practical about everything, Gail's like, mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. As long, yeah. as, you're, as long as you're mostly good and just a little and chaotic, Gail's about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say, back on the gender exploration, I think it has opened me up, though, a little bit more to being a little bit more on, like, the non-binary side. Like, kind of, like, dipping my toes into it. Like, ooh. I kind of like the idea of this because then it's like, you know, I have, I love women's clothing. Like I'm like the crops, the, um, which crop tops weren't really just women clothing. I wish that would come back for men. Crop tops and jean shorts. Mm. Like peak eighties fashion. Oh, um, but bring it back. (laughs) Men are cowards. if They're not going to wear it. But they'll bring mullets back. That's my thing. Like the mullets, uh, I'm like whatever. But why like, did they do that? I don't know. Listen, <laughs> some people can actually pull it off. Yes, some people can. It's but where we're between. from, but where we're from, it's not like it's where you now. would see mullets in any other place because we're we're down in the south. Woohoo! It's they're like they're the like. Okay. <laughs> we, we have the right people wearing mullets. Exactly, like, we do not. Yeah, you go further south, and I'm, I'm like originally from Virginia. I'm like, you start going further south, and you're like, Mm-mm, don't, yeah, don't it's over it. then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like, kind of, definitely. That's like, it's given me more of like, you know, like I can still be me but like just not having a label i think is what like really is like playing like D and tabletop games that's kind of made me think like oh well you know i really like playing the feminine characters i really like that but 
it's also it's like you know i still have my like my kind of masculine things that happen so i'm like in fact you just have the best of both worlds and it's just one of those like i'm really like that's been something me and erica have talked about it i've been thinking about it for a couple years it's like and i'm like you know i think like it's kind of it's going more towards that point so you ever you ever want to talk about non-binary stuff hit me up okay yeah i i love to talk about all things queer i especially love to talk about like gender nonconformity. like it's my whole deal when i uh was first uh when i first went into college to do psych before i became a theater major and that was a choice um but uh i wanted to be like a a, a sex and sexuality and gender educator and stuff so like queerness is like the thing that i am all about it is my it is one of my little hyper fixations is just like queerness um so like you ever want to talk about yeah your stuff gender things hit me up definitely it's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about yeah i definitely will well it'll probably be short I have never really played a male as a PC. Um, it's just not something that I've ever really personally been interested in. I have always known cisgender female for me, and it just has never appealed to me to play a male character. Now, with that being said, it may not be a gender thing, but I don't play humans. Ever. <laughs> I don't play humans. Damn. Yeah. The closest, the closest I come to playing a human is they're either a half-elf or they're a were-creature of some kind. Those are the closest I ever come to playing a human. I don't yeah. play humans. Because if I, I'm going to play a game, I want to be something I'm not. I want to have yeah. claws. I want to have fangs. Something. I think, I think that does kind of go along with like ideas of gender expression, though, and like one hundred percent something like outside yourself. Even though you're playing in like a cisgender feminine space, you're still playing with that idea of like what it means to be a cisgender. The woman. other, well, right, yeah. and the other. Essentially, yeah, you're still playing in the yeah. space of the other, and that still kind of relates to that very much and i i love that oh because like yo fuck humans <laughs> I look <laughs> i i've played a couple of humans like when i've played but i've always made something that's like more because i feel like just playing a basic human is kind of boring you get the variant i had a curse one time it very, was an erica's game humans. yeah very i was a very human very but humans. I like we I was like talking with Erica about I was like I really want to do something that's more so like it was we came up with an entire curse for my generation like my family so like they have you watched Ruby god it's been forever Um, so Blake I kind of took from Blake Belladonna the um where she had like the cat ears and she'd hide it with a bow she had the tail that she would also hide that way 
kind of. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what if it was this curse that was passed down through the women of the family? It skips a generation. Each of them get a different feature. They either get the ears, the eyes, or the tail. And I was like, but my character got all three. <laughs> and all of them. And it was like some weird, just, it was like a weird thing. So, like, when I play humans, I usually try to give them something else. I don't like to just be like, normal. I'm like, I want to, like, I want some crazy things. Let's go. But mostly I play elves or tieflings. <laughs> I love tieflings. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Tieflings are the... You want to know if someone's fully queer? They play tieflings. tieflings. <laughs> ask, ask them what their favorite class is. Tieflings. They're tieflings. Um, <laughs> my favorite character I've ever played is a tiefling. Um, Same. It's a tiefling. There's something about I it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um... As far as me, um, with gender exploration through D and D, um, I do know that I lean towards more feminine characters because I am very femme presenting. Um, but I am starting to, especially if like I get a really cool concept in mind, um, I do lean now and then. I'm throwing in a couple more male based characters. Um, I think one of the most recent ones I did was uh, Jack Whiskey Daniels for the one shot we yes. did, um, where I was essentially playing Pedro Pascal. Um, from the Kingsman, his I character in the Kingsman, Daddy. Um, and yeah, I don't think Pedro Pascal knows how much I love him. Um, I love, but I that was like one of one of one of like the first real like male characters that like I played like either like in a public game that as a player where you know as a, as a DM like yeah I'm gonna be playing male characters and different things like that. Though I do have a habit of switching up genders four characters um i did it recently with wild beyond the witchlight there's the two owners are two male uh, uh i've actually ran that so, so. i switched miss light the the more uh jester jovial S1, yeah into a female and she's very much this effie trinket based very <sighs> jovial exciting character my players fell in love with that change like oh my gosh character. Like, she, uh, like, like everyone loved her. And that's just like a small change. And yes. I feel like it kind of like makes it a little bit more because she deals with like the mood of everything. And so you're dealing with someone who's happy all the time. And then all of a sudden it's this darker snaps to something, you know, a little bit more sinister, which isn't really that fun if it was a dude. Um, we can have boring Mr. Mr. Witch be grumpy, whatever, dealing yeah, with time, I but. Light? I feel like that's a very I feel like that's a very masculine thing though is to like have that like presentation of um like ooh look at me I'm so I'm so I'm so nice and then you say one wrong thing to me and, and it's just a snap and it's fucking over for you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think I think flipping that script and making that a feminine character is is yeah, that's amazing. Really fun. It, I, like I think, I think made that game a little bit more interesting in the beginning. And then one of these days, if I decide to run Strahd myself, I am running. She is the ancient, the female version of Strahd. Yes, I like whenever I ran Witchlight when we kind of went through the first part. I think I made them gay. I don't think I left them as brothers because I made. Um, which the very flamboyant one 
it was pretty much a twink and a bear. Uh, yes, it was. The, so, and I probably would have done the same, but I was like, you know, I know all my players are like very accepting and everything, but I said a DM ran it as a woman for me, and I was like, I love that. I'm stealing. Yeah, that. I still, I still think, I still think that is amazing though. Like having that, I'd like, oh my gosh, like now I'm just thinking about it because I'm like all the craziness that she wears throughout all of those things. Like, I'm like, I could see it happening. Uh, trinket hunger games. Like, yes. That was the vibes for Miss light for me. Yeah. And like, where you said like swapping Strahd, I pitched this cause Erica and Fox have both played through curse of Strahd. Um, it was not, I was brought in right at the end. So um, I didn't get to play through all of it, but one of my best friends, she bought me the revamp of Strahd that's in the coffin. And I was like, I saw on like TikTok or something. I can't remember. They made the curse of Strahd like a summer camp. And Strahd was uh, a gay camp daddy. What? And I was like, 100%, if I run this, we're doing it this way. Strahd's going to be the camp counselor daddy in his crop top and little tiny jean shorts. And I was like, that's it. Like, I was like, you can't tell me anything. And his... If you do, please send it to me on Twitter. Oh you know what he, you know what shirt he needs to be wearing a cropped version of the the from our merch store the magic daddy shirt with the, the yes lines. please please that if this happens oh yeah you just send me all your links it'll be put in the description don't worry <laughs> oh my god um i'm obsessed um yes. strahd in a cropped version of that shirt oh and like knee high socks little, and converse yeah, socks. yes uh-huh. tiniest little jean the tiny <laughs> the tiniest of shorts very 80s camp counselor yes uh, maybe yes. a little bit of a sweatband you know something um oh my god i'm obsessed number one but like i'm all about you know that whole like the gender exploration like i like playing guys i like playing the girls and then i love doing that whole flip-flop for if it reads better for me as like a character an npc in like a pre-made module being like a different gender i'm gonna do it Mm -hmm. i make the rules i'm telling the story exactly yeah i i i want to I used to uh, have a couple of female characters that I would play. Um, I had a uh, wood elf ranger who's um, the DM let me have their uh, animal companion be a moose, which is technically too high of a CR. Um, but we 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 made him. A, we simplified uh, the the sheet so that it would fit the CR to be an animal companion. Um, I I I have one female character who uh, her name is Melody, and she is a celebrity impersonator. Uh, so she's a College of Glamour bard, and the celebrity that she impersonates. Uh, for her main gig is Ariana Grande. Oh my god, I love it. So oh my gosh, I, I love it. Do. So to All do the it, love. I do an awful cat Valentine impression. <gasps> oh my gosh. I give my characters a voice, and anytime she's answered a que- she's asked a question, she's just like, yeah. Yeah. 
my gosh i love it and all of her spells that require verbal components have an ariana like if she were to cast something like um uh what's the what's the one what's the stabilizing cantrip for to cast spare the dying it would be like just keep breathing um <laughs> oh my gosh that is that's amazing i, I love it love it I, so much <laughs> oh that makes it even better and she's got the like big ponytail yeah she's got the big ponytail. oh and i think i gave her like um oh how she was like, she's two and a half feet tall, but I think I think I made the joke of she's two and a half feet tall, but five in the heels. <laughs> I think we're good on that topic. Um, unless anybody else. Yeah. Um, Where are we rolling next? So we'll go ahead and do uh, Erica's topic. Yeah. So Erica, because she's not here, uh, her topic was uh, just to kind of highlight queer created tabletop RPGs. Um, she has systems on there, but I feel like if the system is already made, I feel like things after that. So you can talk about both. If you just have like a queer created tabletop game that you want to talk about, or if you know of a system that was created by, you know, something like that, um, I'll kind of, Erica had, uh, Visgoths versus mall goths. She put that in our Discord, so I could add a link to it. I have no idea what it's about. Let me click on it real quick, and then I'll talk I about have it. That through, um, I've so sometimes uh, on Twitter, like Humble Bundle will like post things. Yes, like, like tabletop <laughs> thing. I got it in some either my Queer Games bundle or my TTRPGs for trans rights. One of those, I have it in one of them. Basically, I feel like it's at a mall, a retro mall. And you just play. It's the can get my oh, you can get my bisexual take on that bit in the mall and Bill and Ted, and the world is better for it. This is a review. I'm reading some reviews so that way. I'm unfortunately not able to know what Erica wanted to say about them, so I'm just going to say what I'm reading for her. Um, I love this project for its inherent comedic genius, '90s nostalgia, and because of how queer it is. Um, VG versus MG combines everything I love occult time travel the 90s and queer culture with things I never knew I needed an emo grudge tracker and a turf war that shouldn't really make sense but totally does it, yeah definitely does I do have this uh, okay yeah, essentially it's like either you can do it as a one shot or a campaign play I haven't played it yet um, but there's like side quests that you can do as well as like you know, you can just replay the game, so you can kiss people. Someone said it was literally like, you know, um, part TTRPG, part dating sim. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's it's got amazing art on it. Um, I'm pretty sure it's it looks like it's done on the same system or at least a similar system as Thirsty Sword Lesbian. So it's powered by the apocalypse, basically. Yeah. The two D six. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, that was that was Erica's shout out was for that. Um which you can get it on itch.io. Yep. Uh it will be in the description if you would like to check it out. All of the ones that we talk about will be put in the description just so that way we can show them some love and get that sent to them. Yeah, I'm looking at a I'm looking at an article all about uh 
various queer, uh, about some various queer TTRPGs, um, like, uh, the same people who made Thirsty Sword lesbians recently, I think if I'm reading this correctly, came up with another, recently came up with another game, I think it's called Plant Girl Game, um, I think that's the same... It's one of the writers from Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Uh, they just completed a crowdfunding for something like Plant Girl game, which just from the title sounds awesome. Sounds gay. <laughs> sounds awesome. Yeah. Sounds gay. Yeah. Plants. Um, exactly. Sounds gay. <laughs> sounds gay. I'm in. <laughs> one of one of the queerest games I've ever played is not of a TTRPG. Is not even um, technically a queer ttrpg it is um it is a jane austen themed i know you're talking about the good society Good. Society. i already know yes. i already know i want it, it so bad it is it was the queerest like ex, it, was, it was it is a perfect setting for queer people yes because yes it you just get to be like the way that we did it was um we used like D races and we had it set in a fan in like a, the D fantasy world that we were playing in at the time um because my dm at the time uh had this whole like fantasy world that uh she had built out and so we were playing in that space with this it was mostly 5e but then we were also doing this one for a couple of sessions and it just I don't know. I pl I played this very flamboyant like high elf who was like distantly related to royalty. His name was Darcy D apostrophe A R C Y. Like um <laughs> At Mr. Darcy from Pride and the Prejudice. Darcy. Darcy. Uh Darcy de Valentine. <laughs> um and he had like this whole scandalous background. Um but it was it was so it was so much fun and we all brought these like extremely queer characters and just messed around in this like uh, in this setting of like this Jane Austen style like courtship and playing around with that with but also side by side with the queerness because if you if you really read Jane Austen there's it's pretty queer it's, it's, it gets very much very much oh yeah very 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 much yes um, um so it, it's not a it's not technically a queer TTRPG but god does it do oh kiss wonders I 100% believe that it is very much <laughs> a queer tabletop RPG. No matter what anybody says, like if you just like read through it, like the cattiness and like how you're supposed to be in it, no, like that's 100%. Like that that coded language from like the Edwardian era, just Edwardian you know and also and, that bleeds into like the victorian era and whatnot as well yeah. like it's so yes. queer coded like it, definitely it, especially because like if you actually look at like the way that like queer people were coding themselves like with the green carnations and um with like 
all these other things like violets and uh, the flower language really um was huge with um the queer community from that time because it was a way to like subtly nod to other people who were like you without letting the rest of the world in and it gave these opportunities to have these like um to have these relationships and these private moments and all these lovely things and yeah i i get really excited like i said queerness is one of my favorite things to talk about i love the history of it as well so. <laughs> um uh ashley or heather other one you want to go do you want me to go or i have a whole list so you might want to leave me last <laughs> I mean, I'll go ahead and go uh, again. It'll be fairly quick. I did not get to do as much research as I would have liked. Only basically looked up some games that looked interesting. One to me that looked interesting is by a queer creator. It's called Bloom. And it's because it's a solo game. So if you don't have a group, you can actually play it yourself. Um, and it's basically you're playing supposedly a teenage girl, but you could probably change that to be whatever you want to be. Um, and you're at a boarding school where a virus is outbroken and you have to survive these mutated creatures and you pull cards and you can get mutations and things yourself. So things like that are always interested me. And so be just finding this and being like, oh, it's a GM list. You can play it solo type of game. It sounds super fun. That sounds awesome. Oh yeah. 100%. I was like, I know, right? I'm like, hmm, I might have to go, uh, might have to go shopping. <laughs> and I mean, there were several others that I, I found when I was just kind of looking for something interesting, but that was the one that really stuck out to me. And I was like, wow, that that's awesome. And you know what I'm kind of noticing, um, you know, apart from my list as well, is that there are a lot of more queer-centered solo RPGs um i noticed that too exploring like either you know your personal like identity how to work through how you're feeling um those are kind of like it's like journaling with better prompts um because you can look at it more as a game but i've noticed that you see a lot more queer based ones in solo um which is kind of nice because this kind of can go back to the whole thing of you know do queer people feel like they have a seat at the table um in in hobby spaces for tabletop gaming based on like you know the history of where it's all kind of been um so having these like solo like games is actually like really kind of cool and you are yeah. very right what little bit of research i was able to do there were quite a few solo ones versus group settings which i'm like you i also found interesting i guess i'll go on to just a couple of mine uh my first one will always be Monster Hearts. Um, completely. I absolutely love that system. It's so much fun. And then uh, just because I kind of like that idea of, you know, not only is it you finding yourself going through the bounds of being a teenager in high school and you're a monster, it's also like it is very much i like people can fight me about this you can fight me in the comments about this if you look this up and you're like no it's not it is very much it is very much you look at the way that it's worded and you look at the way that things how they are like 
stated in it is very much queer coded like 100 percent. even the art like the art is like amazing like i'm just like yeah some of the classes are based around like you could do them like that um and the second one i actually played at gen con this year and i was super excited about playing it um it's called glitter hearts and like i saw it at a local game store that's down there we always go to it when we go to gen con um and i saw it there and i was like oh i'm gonna play in this i was like gonna play in it the next day and i was like so then i'm gonna play it first and then i'll decide if i'm gonna buy it oh i went and played it i was like yeah i love sailor moon and i love um i love anime so and magical girl animes and i was like all right i played it i was like i love it i went back to that game store and bought it not knowing that the creator of that game was at gen con and was selling it at a booth and i didn't know until i was like looking through today just to make sure like you know like who it was created by um and i stalked as a normal person does um and oh, the normalist. I was like, I was like, no, I was like, they were there and I could have bought it from them. Um, was what's this? Was it like the writer or was it the public? The, the writer. I, I just looked up the, I, I just looked up Monster Hearts and I saw it was made by Buried Without Ceremony and I was like, where do I know this publisher? You guys from? did the, the we quiet did year. the quiet year. Um, yeah. yeah, we, we, we did, uh, we, we did a two shot with, um, another game by the same publisher called The Quiet Year, which is like a little map building game. Um, it's, it's a, it's one of those like really short little ones. You use a deck of cards, you use, you have a couple of D6s and you just build out a little map. Um, so it, I, it's by the same publisher. I definitely mm-hmm. have to check this one out then. Yeah. Um, I love the stuff they make. Yeah, Glitter Hearts was made by Greg Leatherman. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and he was at Gen Con, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, if I would have known that, I would have went to the booth that it was at, and I would have bought it there. But support your local game stores, too. Of like, <laughs> they're how we meet all of our, our nerd friends a lot of the times. <laughs> this is very true. So, other than online... So, uh, those are my main two. Um, I have lists, um, because as someone who has a geeky, nerdy storefront that is turning into a tabletop space more than anything, I have to have my hands on everything, because I don't have a problem. Um, so, Never. I think the one I think the one that everyone kind of thinks of immediately, for the most part, when you think like queer tabletop gaming is Thirsty Sword Lesbians by Evil oh. Hat Productions. Um, yes. they've got that's they have like their main book then they have advanced lovers and lesbians which is like their second add-on book and there's people who've even made like like supplemental material for that game um monster hearts was on my list as well um hey, <laughs> great minds think alike i have it uh, too so don't worry i've ran it multiple times <laughs> glitter hearts another one on the list because <laughs> i love um magical girls as well look you ever want to uh, get a group together i'll rent it for you don't worry mm. <laughs> i'd be um, down I to play 
please give me a chance I, to be a magical girl <laughs> i love the stuff that evil hat makes uh oh God, they also made amazing. monster of the week which is a game i want to play i love that game i i, I think bought it yeah I so the a document of all of, of all the documents <laughs> to be like to be like oh magic academy here are all the games i have what do we want to run <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God, i want to run a i want to run a campaign of so badly. Uh, yes. I, I love mm -hmm. Yes. Oh. Yes. Then, yes. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, another one, Girl by Moonlight, which is I think by Darrington Press, which is what Critical Roles. Um... Oh, the Queen. Is it the Queen by Queen by Moonlight? No. There now. Is that Queen by No? It, I have, what is, who's Queen by Midnight is their board game they created. They have Till the Last Gasp. Okay, no, Girl by Moonlight is also another Evil Hat production. Okay. Which is another very much, you know, queer based one. Um, and then there's one that I downloaded through one of my uh, charity bundles called This Party Suck. Um, and basically, it's a collaborative story about being queer or trans who where you're dealing with a bad breakup and you're at this like a couple of different parties while trying not to think of your ex. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, it sounds so, fun, but like it's too real. It's, it's too real, but I feel like that, you know that's it's it's funny that you kind of like make that comment is because if you do think about like where the backgrounds of a lot of these like queer based either solo or group based games, Yeah. A lot of it are very feeling emotional forward. Here's the things that we deal with and here's how we can kind of either work through them um in somewhat of a healthy way uh which once again i always say like evelyn therapy is important please do that um yes. but also if, you know you can't you know if this is kind of sort of the next best thing that can assist in some way you know what i'd rather have someone not bottle up and play a game um, um but I, i've noticed that a lot with like very queer either either the theming or um you know who's who's making it they're very much like relationship emotional feeling internal questions and role play that come out of them yes and, then, and it's inspired by uh, mal bloom's queer folk punk album tempest in a teacup i love mal bloom <laughs> i just thought of another one that's like it's not made probably by queer people but vampire the masquerade so that's oh my on my God. list. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so a lot of my original like vampires obviously queer. Yeah. Um, vampires are inherently queer. Yeah, <laughs> they really are. No comments. We're not going to take any questions or concerns about this. They are. Twilight does not leave it. <laughs> I literally just made a character who's a vampire. <laughs> I'm excited for. I'm excited for you, little vampire cowboy. Um, but yeah, yeah. no. So um. White Wolf Publishing was the original publisher of like Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, and things like that. That's actually my intro into tabletop gaming. Oh. D &D. Um, and they were like, Well, as long as you're not playing D D, you can keep playing tabletops. Yet vampire and werewolf were so much worse than D, yes. D, D back in like they are. And I was like <laughs> and I was like, What? My parents were like, hey, it's none of that devil stuff. Vampires, meh whatever you're vampires is like and rice like yeah <laughs> yeah no so my intro into tabletops was vampire the masquerade oh my um, gosh that's hilarious so, and i haven't really seen i haven't gotten my hands on any of like the newer like the updated the ones, fifth edition uh, 
what is it onyx path publishing got their hands oh, on it now world, i don't know how much changed um, from world of I think darkness well, world I think it's, isn't it still white wolf it's no. world of darkness is still it, it's still their their world is the world of darkness yeah system, but hang on white wolf i think sold it to onyx path publishing and i know there were some tweaks and changes that happened i can tell um, you i have the book right here vampire the masquerade exalted hell werewolf the apocalypse all of even like all that original white wolf stuff very much could be easily queer focused and based oh 100 percent let's say um back to your vampire question heather um so from what i because i have my camarilla book just in my room my base vampire fifth edition is uh currently on my uh kitchen table uh flying out a poster from uh texas renaissance festival uh so it looks like the one that i have i don't know if there have been changes made or anything it looks like white wolf was still a publishing for world of darkness and then yeah. modifius i think is now the person that pushes it out god like how many how many hands does it change because i know because i was like oh yeah white wolf and they're like no they're gone now onyx path has it yeah and now modifius has it what they've they've not done bad so it looks like paradox interactive owns the rights oh well i'm just going based off of what's on the back of my book nobody nobody knows nobody knows no one knows it's an entity in and of itself now oh my Um, gosh but yeah 2021 Polygon reported that Paradox was doing stuff in July 2021. Renegade Game Studios released retail reprinted editions of Vampire the Masquerade, which is what I had thought because I thought it was Renegade because I remember at Gen Con, all of the Renegade booths were like covered in like new Vampire the Masquerade stuff and new uh, werewolf stuff. Um, interesting that's Ooh. like a whole that would be a topic in and of itself. yes the lore of we're just wolf. gonna have you come back the on and we're gonna full wolf. dive we're gonna full dive into vampire the masquerade <laughs> that's what we're gonna do and who is creating it, it now who creates <laughs> it who has the supplements i'm gonna write yeah. a five page essay on the history of the publishing of vampire the masquerade it's okay i expect it within a month uh in a month apa style double spaced um oh, 12 point font <laughs> dang. <sighs> dang so yeah i hated um, apa <laughs> and i would even say with like vampire the masquerade and like those white wolf type games they were more they had more queer representation than say like dungeons and dragons at the time oh yeah 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 well uh you know you can just send them over and there'll be links to all of them in the description because we want you to buy them (laughs) we want you to support support creators yes support the indie creators support the queer creators support everybody that puts all their blood sweat and tears into working on this stuff for you to buy because i have no control over my money when it comes to things like that so uh yeah well i guess we'll uh go on to the next topic unless anybody else has anything to say about it about any other quick created tabletop RPGs, cut systems things whatever so heather we'll go on to your topic uh the importance oh i'm not gonna say it i'm gonna let you say it that's i mean hey if you want to announce it for me i mean hey um so one of the things especially 
within having a, you know, being a part of like an all queer table or at least playing at any table if you are queer in any way, shape or form. But even also if you are um, considered cishet, um, the importance of session zeros. And I know that, you know, not everyone feels that this is kind of like a quote unquote luxury that people can have, but I find it helps in the long run. So essentially, like, if you are playing with other people, whether it's like a home game or if you're playing like at a hobby shop, you know, do you do a quick like session zero prior to playing? And if you don't or or if you do, um, what is kind of like important things for you to have within them? Um, so I, no matter where I'm at, whether it's a game I'm running, a game that I'm participating in, it's a one shot at. Um, we have this event called Drinking and Dragons that we put on. It's just a one-night thing. Um, we always have in some way, shape, or form some form of, like, a quick session zero. Um, that way, you know, whoever's at the table, anything like that, is going to be comfortable enough. Yes, are we playing in a fantasy world? Um, sure. But there are certain things that still give people the ick. Like, Curse of Strahd, number one, that game has some stuff that will be thrown at you and if you know you're like you know i'm not a big fan of body horror or <sighs> things of that nature you know you're gonna be like hey i'm okay with this one thing but i'm not fully okay with this other thing or um we were just doing a run through of a play and learn of monty cook's um the darkest house I get the ick when it comes to, you know, things going underneath your skin. It's more of a fail for me um, where I'm getting like, you know, the body shivers even just thinking of it. But, um, but it's not like a hard line. So I also do it. I teach tabletop to kids within our local community and I give them the opportunity for a quick session zero. Like, hey, guys, I'm doing a game based on Halloween. Are there certain things that you don't really like? Like, are you afraid of spiders? Or do you not like blood or things like that? Just let me know and I'll make sure if it's in here, I'll make sure not to do it. Um, but I think it's very important, no matter like who you're playing with, um, to do it. So what are your guys' thoughts in terms of implementing it, you know, and how important it is to you um, within your playing spaces? Yeah, uh, I, I like the idea of a session zero. Um, not even the like like going over things you may or may not like i love that like we've been our group has been playing together for what six or seven years yeah so like we've all kind of learned what everybody's kind of like thing is is like what do they not really like you know what's not like great or anything i still think we sometimes even do session zeros just to I feel like a session zero is not only just a great way to see what people like, how they like things, what they don't like, whatever. It also, it kind of gives you that chance to have your characters meet in some way. So that way, when you actually get to the official session one of your game, it's not like you're all just, well, we're at the tavern. <laughs> the tavern, the infamous yeah. tavern intro. As that's literally the background of our podcast. Just we're at a tavern. Um, <laughs> but it's such a cliche, but I love the tavern. I do too. And I feel like having a session zero, it gives you a chance to either, you know, maybe we don't all meet in the session zero, but we all end up at this tavern. 
we've all at least seen each other before like we've met and and then it's like you know if you don't have that and you're in your session like your first session it's like well what do i see well describe your character that's what you see it's like well i i like the idea of a session zero and getting that it kind of gets you into being ready for the game and it kind of gives you something to look forward to oh well you know i didn't meet everybody how am i gonna meet all these characters or ask some questions yeah get to know more about them exactly kind of it's it's nice because you get to like um kind of figure out what everybody's kind of motivation is the thing i always really like to do in session zero is i i like to uh, um have like everybody kind of like discuss their characters especially if they're going into it with having their characters know each other um it's like how do we know each other how long have we known each other like and if they're going in without knowing each other it's like what are what are things that like it, it it's again it's that chance to kind of meet the characters before you meet the characters and kind of establish a certain um level of like okay how is everybody how is our party kind of going to function um and it also gives you an opportunity to like go through those safety tools and things like the lines and veils or checklist yes or things like that um and i i like a session zero because it, it also gives you an opportunity as the dm to kind of set expectations a little bit of like this is what i need from you as the players what do you need from me as the dm so that we can make this experience fun because at the end of the day like i am a very firm believer that I'm here to play D&D. I want to have a good time. Like, is my character sobbing because their love interest has been... Because they've been possessed and their love interest no longer has... Yeah, he's a little about that. But... (laughs) But even those traumatic experiences I don't need that trauma. I don't need that trauma tonight. (laughs) Thank you. Listen, we're Heather. We're dark this week. I have to. I have to make you think about Midas. And- no, Shaper. No. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! It's okay, Heather. You'll get him back. I know you will. My character had to go to Pandemonium once to get her lover back. Oh, she's on her pathway to become a god. There you go. Yeah, yes. That's, kind of what she's that's that's the arc now. She's slay, gonna slay. I'm gonna get my Minotaur bestie unpossessed, and I'm gonna become a god to do it. <laughs> you know. Yo-o. Yes. Yes. I love it. Slay. But yeah, I I re- I session zeros I think are really um important i think it could be also on the flip side i think if you have enough communication beforehand it can be kind of fun to go into a session one a little blind 
especially if your characters don't know each other. Like, if you have, again, it's important to have a certain level of communication beforehand if you're going to do that. Like, especially when it comes to, like, those safety tools um, and, like, the checklists and the lines and veils. Like, you want to make sure that that's kind of still talked about and established beforehand. And if you kind of can manage to do that, um, like, with conversations and, like, texting and stuff beforehand... It can it can be kind of fun to get a little surprise, get some real get some surprises in that session one. It can be kind of it can be kind of fun because you can maybe just dis- discover something where you're like, oh, this is not quite what I expected it to be. That's kind of what our group has turned into. <laughs> it's like we don't well, really do session zeros, but we all kind maybe. of go ahead. We kind of know what classes everybody's playing. Because we're just like, you know, well, what are you playing? Like, because it's one of those, yeah, it would probably be nice, like, to have. I don't really know if anybody really talked about what we were playing in this game because we ended up not having, like, a full base healer. <laughs> we have, like, a half I'm a healer. Full healer. Thank you yeah, very half much. Healer. I am a full healer. Thank you I'm very sorry, much. I'm sorry. Divine soul sorcerers are not full healers. I am a full healer. You don't get all the healing spells. I get all the healing spells that we need. <laughs> That's, yep. I keep y'all alive. That's my job. That's what I do. And I'm mostly good at it. When you don't go in the darkness where I can't see you. Not my fault. Okay, no, stop. Because I, I have a character who was a variant human. She's a trickery cleric. Is like, I'll heal you. If I feel like it, um, but couldn't see in the dark. Um, uh, but now she's a reborn, um, warlock. Um, oh, you've told me about this character, and now she can see in the dark, and everyone's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yes." Yeah, so, so the character that Fox is talking about was a Gloom Stalker Ranger. Okay, so rogue. So. Um, oh, she was going to be multi-classed into Rogue. Um, don't worry, she was. But when you're uh, in the darkness, people that use dark vision to see you cannot see you. You are invisible. So uh, we were fighting a... Um, what were we fighting? Chimera. It was a Chimera. A Chimera. And I was in the dark because, you know, it can't see me. And I'm right in neither front of it. Neither could the healer. Yeah, neither could the healer. Nobody could. Um, I was right in front of it and it decided to fire breath because it couldn't see me at one of our other party members. Uh, and I died. And Fox is like, I'll heal you. And I was like, well, technically you can't see me. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. So I'm gonna heal this person instead of you. So, and then I it did it again. So it instantly, um, I like died. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And the funny thing was, uh, I think Erica was the one that told me that's gonna come and bite you in the ass because we're not gonna be able to see you to heal you. And it did. And she was right. She was right. Gotta, Gotta get that cure wounds. Gotta get that touch spell. See, that's what I have because I can make it distant. Yeah, but I couldn't be seen. 
you could not. No. R.I.P. So yeah. the point is, I could have kept you alive. All I had to do was see you. That's what warlock packs are for. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Devil sight. Devil sight. <laughs> yep, devil sight. Magical make and normal darkness. <laughs> yeah. Make a pack with, with, with some other entity. Just like, call up call up some demon lord. Call up like Call up your demon sugar daddy. Session zeros are very important, especially if you have a new group of people. For the reasons listed already, um, you need to know kind of where your boundaries are with your players, with your DM. I'm fortunate most of the people I play with right now, I've played with for years. So I know I can push those boundaries as a DM. And when I have a new person that I'm not sure about, I tell them straight up, is there anything that you want me to avoid in this session? Because depending on, I'm a very go where you want, you might not like what you find type of DM. And yes, I do have all kinds of stuff in my games that if you encounter it, it's it's there somewhere if you go looking for it. Mm -hmm. That damn banshee scream at level like two. Yep. Yes, I made a homebrew boss that had a banshee scream, made meat grinder mode, and made the DC for death saves 15 within 150 feet of it. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. Oh, oh hell. I was yeah. 150 feet away because I was like sniping at it. Yeah. And it yeah. got me. Oh, and it was also resistant to all damage. At level two? Yeah. They were supposed to run away. I was just about to say this. They were supposed to run away. You need to run away. They were supposed to run away. They were given teleport crystals at the very start that were one time use. As basically your. Get out, Get out of jail, of jail free, free. And they, these, these people were sitting here like, I'm gonna fight it. I'm gonna fight it. Hey, this, I you have back. an NPC. I was you ready. NPC, you have an NPC that's ten times your level struggling, but you're gonna fight it. They're determined. They believe in okay, themselves. But I would also try to fight it. Exactly. Yeah, that didn't go well for them. It wouldn't have, if it wouldn't have did that banshee scream. Of course it's going to do the banshee scream! <laughs> it was an incarnation of death! I love that so much. That's literally incredible. Oh, it was, it was fun. I was mad they didn't, they didn't fight all of the uh, eight of those monsters they could have. There was the final one. They avoided it by going the alternate route. The final one would have revived a random one of the others, and they would have had to fight them at the same time. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It yeah. was fun. Oh. That game, me and Erica actually, our character, our original characters left, and we had new characters, but and our old characters had a side quest and sided with the evil goddess and brought her back. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, when I say I allow anything, I do within reason. Sometimes you need to gaslight gatekeep girl boss your way through a session. <laughs> well, does anybody have anything else to say on session zeros? Um, actually, yeah, I wasn't completely. You weren't done. done? Okay. Note. No. So I Side actually bar. do session zeros a little differently than most people. I don't get the whole group together to do a session zero. Really? 
I don't. I so I had a DM in the past, and Sparks also was a part of this DM. I both liked and hated the way he did things. Because he got everybody together and then did individual session zeros at the table. It was fun to do the session zero, but it was really boring because you had to sit there for like an hour while somebody else did their session zero. It took four hours to get to me. Oh no. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. It did. So I took the same idea and tweaked it. And now when I start a new game, I get the person, I'm like, hey, let's schedule a time and do your session zero. You can get to know your character. You can get to know my DM style if you've never played with me before. We can talk plans, we can talk ideas, and you're going to end up where you're going to meet everybody else in session one. That way you get some lore, you get some knowledge maybe other people don't have, based on where you're from and your background, and you get to kind of feel your character out. If you don't like the character with session zero, you can change it. That's what I started doing, and it worked out. Again, before my current campaign that I'm playing, I just got everybody. And uh, one person actually just essentially built out their character's personality with that session zero. Because their thing was, well, I'm just going to fight. I'm, I'm a demon hunter. That that was their whole backstory. It's like, all right, let's flesh this out. Yeah. A bit more. I, I need a little bit more. Yeah, I I really like that. I think that that's a really I think that's a really fun way to do it because it kind of combine it combines like you're getting everything that you need and then the players still have kind of that like still kind of get those surprises of like first meeting each other. Um, and that's the other reason I do it. One. That's the other reason I do it separately. That way everybody can't hear what's going on. They don't know each other's background when they meet. So in the current one, they all joined a guild for different reasons. And the guild sends them out on jobs and they do things for it. Um, So that's how they got together and became a party because they just got grouped up. So they they still have that we don't know each other, we got to get to know each other type feel. Now in their session zeros, I did drop hints depending on which one went first. Um, the NPCs they interacted with did drop hints like, oh yeah, we had this barbarian come in, yeah, we have this really big dude with a sword, yada yada. So they kind of got hints of each other's character, and that's all they got. Vox, do you have anything else to say on Session Zeros? No, that was it. No. Everybody else good? good Lots of good things for Session Zeros to cover. Yes. So, the last topic is mine, and I felt like this would probably be a good one to end on. It is uh, the queer representation and content creation. Um, I feel like we have been seeing, mainly in the last few five, five or ten years maybe, we've been seeing more and more queer content creators. We've been seeing like drag queens creating content now instead of just doing their shows. Trixie Mattel has an entire empire of everything. Her and Katya. Erica loves Trixie and Katya so much. We both do. Um, But like, you know, we're seeing more and more of, you know, queer representation and content creation and I am absolutely loving it um just being able to like have places that 
people can go like whenever i was younger it didn't have that you didn't see that like just on tv you didn't see it like on a lot of on youtube or anything like that until honestly i feel very recent so just kind of talking about that you know y'all your show your channel magic academy is amazing like it's all queer creators basically you may not create content outside of that if you do like amazing but if you don't like you're still in something that is queer created um and that's that that is a big part of like what we are trying to do at magic academy is like create this space to tell stories as queer people and about queer people um where it's not necessarily that like the emphasis is kind of on the fact that like queer people are just people like and so that's a big thing that like we always try to like emphasize um within our storytelling is like yes our our we are all queer and our characters are all queer but that doesn't have to be i think we're kind of moving past the age of everything is a coming out story um which is which i really appreciate um personally like uh, for a long time everything was a coming out story and now we're kind of entering this era of just like getting more into the intricacies of queerness and problems that affect queer people specifically and also getting into like just the fact that like we have the same problems as everybody else at the same time um and like so for me personally getting to be part of that and getting to like be a piece of representation is like one it's kind of terrifying because it's like you want to be good representation but then it's like well what is good representation yeah um, because good representation yeah. i i feel like it has so many forms like to me good representation isn't the perfect kind queer person who can do no wrong to me good representation is just a very average person who just also happens to be queer like someone who like experiences like all these things and makes mistakes and just like is a person but also has this queerness to their identity um and so like getting to be part of stories where we're kind of trying to illustrate that um through the lens of D, &D is it's just it's nice and I, I i'm really excited about all the stuff that we're doing um and i yeah it's just really exciting as like <laughs> all all of my favorite youtubers from when i was a kid within the past five years have been coming out as either gay or um like three of my favorite youtubers uh two of them came out as gay one came out as trans and she is she is slaying the game and um i just it's so exciting to see us moving in this direction um it's exciting to see that change. I was I was literally talking about it with my No, it's so nice to see that you get to just that you're like not afraid to be yourself. So I think if you were born twenty years earlier, like things would be different and blah 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 blah. And she's like, I'm just so proud of you and I was like, Oh mom <laughs> Um, my mom's great. Um 
but uh yeah it's just it's it's it is so important uh to to tldr it is so important to represent queer people as people exciting to be part of a group that's that's doing that yeah yeah because you you are absolutely right our your mom is um just a few years ago it would have been nearly impossible or would have felt as such but we're lucky that now times are moving forward that people are becoming more accepting there's still trials there's always going to be there's always going to be those people that don't like it and they're never going to like it but fortunately they're slowly becoming the minority and there is more representation now because people aren't afraid to represent because they know now they're not alone. There is a large amount of people in the LGBTQ community that will come out and support them. And that is yeah. honestly heartwarming to see. Heather, what are your thoughts on queer representation and content creation now? Um, I love seeing it, honestly, um, because... Going back that, you know, like that 20, 20 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, I would be just about starting high school and it makes me cringe. Um, just a smidge. And <laughs> even then I look back at like some of the things either I said or I did or was like into and whatnot going, the signs were there. And had I had like the words or I had that representation, I probably would have either come out a lot like sooner and maybe it wouldn't have been such a crazy weird little like thing to my parents um but the signs were there so i'm still kind of questioning that one um like it would have been nice to have had that yeah there was maybe a little bit but it was very much like over the top or like traditional kind of queer things like a gay man or or a lesbian like that sort of things you never saw like the in-betweens and the full spectrum of people who may be ace or non-binary and so now we've kind of gotten that in any forms of content creation and, and then also on the other hand you know we are seeing a lot more within the ttrpg scene um i will say that i notice it most within say people um and groups like dimension 20 and critical role harder. critical role it's there but i would say i think the more dimension 20 is gonna have more dimension 20, dimension yeah. 20 you see it yeah all the time Beardsley. oh my Beardsley. god yeah Allie Beardsley love it I know right Allie Beardsley um and you see it the most there and I, yeah I was gonna say critical role absolutely um but like um and then like even you know we're starting to see a lot more of the smaller indie stuff kind of coming out you know like like the magic academies like yeah you know, anybody else that's kind of coming out and doing these actual plays you know seeing that come out as well which is there's a there's an intersect between geeky and nerdy people who are considered the outcasts the weirdos and that mm -hmm. that same can be said about you know people who have queer identities and there's quite a bit of overlap with that and so those two kind of meeting in the middle now um has been kind of great well i think i think that's it unless anybody else has anything to say what? What? Bueller? Okay. Bueller? 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 
Bueller? Matt Bueller? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, that's all for our topics today. Hope everybody enjoyed. Thank you so much, Evelyn and Heather, for coming on one more time, just so that way they can hear you say it again. Where can everybody find you guys at? Um, you can find us at twitch.tv slash magic underscore academy. You can also, if you want to find all of our socials, all of our links, all of our go to magicacademyrpg.com. Um, that's where you can find absolutely everything. That's also where you can find our merch. Um, if yeah, you want to get we... a little tie-dye thing. Uh, Heather's ah. done a absolutely wonderful job on the merch. Yeah, uh, but I do have to say, you know, outside of, you know, figuring, um, like, saying, you know, where we're at and everything, I would be really remiss if I didn't mention the one who started it all, Randall, um, because honestly, we, the Magic Academy would not be here, it would not be in a space, it would not be producing the content it is, Um, they wouldn't be at D3 at Sea right now, which is tabletop gaming, cruise, Mm -hmm. these sorts of things, dropping a module when they come back, um, without randall kind of starting this so at least i have to kind of put it out there to say yeah. you know we without, wouldn't be here without randall <laughs> true first without, and foremost randall magic daddy himself flyer uh on on a, in a discord server at being like hey i'm gonna be running call of, critical roles call of the nether deep does anyone want to join and, and me and a few other people messaging him and being like bots left and him being like no one signed up yet <laughs> um meanwhile looking- i meanwhile i met through a we will not talk about a certain dating show um <laughs> that we were competing against each other on um <laughs> so we all met each other through weird ways i met i met magic academy through through twitch um and all mm. my mutual connections and it kind of went from there um yeah. but no all of this would not be here without randall <laughs> absolutely well, all the links to everything that you guys have, they'll be down in the description. So that way it's easy for people to find you. Don't worry, we'll get we'll try to get some people over there. So uh but yeah, well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>